Welcome to Grow With Soul, a simple marketing podcast by me, Kate Ferris, a creative business and marketing coach living in the mountains in North Wales. Grow With Soul is for creatives who either have their own business or who dream of having their own business and who want to grow slowly, sustainably and soulfully in their work and in their life. So welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Hello and welcome to episode 39 of Grow With Soul. Today is a coaching episode with Ellen Liev, a writer and blogger who supports creatives going through the process of turning an idea into reality. Yellen is right at the start of figuring out what her services and offerings or digital products might look like. So today we're talking business models. That's one-to-one versus one-to-many, how to choose the right business model, both for you and for your customer, all the expectations, and also getting away from the rules, in inverted commas, to create the best product that you can. We had some aha moments in here, so let's dig in. Hi, Ellen. Hello. (laughs) Do you see me practicing your name now? Yay. Good job. I'm just going to go with it. I'm I'm just going to try and say it in a Swedish way. (laughs) So thank you so much for coming on today. I'm really excited to talk about business model stuff because I feel like it's the sort of thing that everybody, myself included, mentions in passing as kind of a part of something else, but we've not done a real deep dive on it on the podcast so hopefully we'll get some good stuff out of it well thank you so much for having me on and I'm really looking forward to this and yeah I think business models is it's a very interesting topic and you always kind of have to adjust it to whatever you you are doing so it's Mm. yeah it's always relevant uh, (laughs) and something to talk about so well before we get straight into that let's set the scene a little bit and so it'd be great if you could kind of tell us your story of your background and what you're doing and what you hope to do and kind of how everything that's happened to get you to where you're at now yes of course well so I am a blogger Uh, I have been blogging for about three years and I'm gonna go back to the very beginning I I've always loved reading and writing even as a kid and well I was kind of creative as a kid and wanted to write a novel that was a childhood dream of mine but you know well I get became a teenager and everyone told me how hard it was and you wouldn't get published unless you were the very very best. Oh <laughs> that's so sad. <laughs> yeah I know I know. <laughs> So, well, I didn't pursue it as a degree or anything. I uh, studied political science at university. But a year or two in into university, I decided that I kind of had to give writing a try at least. So I tried to start writing my first novel. And it went not very good. <laughs> I was going to wait and see which way it was going to go then. <laughs> well, mainly it was because of all these ideas that I have been told that it has to be perfect and it has to be the best thing ever if anyone is going to want to read it. So there were a lot of perfectionism going on around it. So yeah, I went on writing and not writing back and forth for a couple of years and kind of decided, well, I decided I wanted to write a book, but 
on a rational level, I knew that I just had to give it a try and do my best and, and so on. But I was terrified of not succeeding on the the childhood dream and just proving myself wrong and well knowing that that if I, I if I give it a try and if I fail then that would be it was mm. kind of how I was I was thinking about it. And not a very good mindset. Mm. <laughs> so about three years ago, so twenty sixteen, I decided that if I am gonna do this, I have to deal with all of these perfectionism feelings. So I set out on what I called a fear year. Yeah, so I decided to uh, spend one year to try to face my creative fears. And that's how I started blogging. Wow. I mean, just total immersion therapy of like, I'm kind of scared to do this. So I'm just going to like, go for it. (laughs) Yeah, I think it was a Seth Godin book I read. He wrote about how, you know, fear is something very evolutionary uh, in us. And Usually the the things we are most afraid of are the things that we really want to pursue. Uh, And that kind of struck a a chord with me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So yeah, that's how it all began. And since then, I have been uh, blogging about doing creative work, quite a lot on mindsets and such. And while I started writing most about fear and and those kinds of subjects, uh, nowadays I write... Uh, about goal setting or pursuing creative ideas, all sorts of uh, topics related to to doing a creative project. And doing this on the side of uh, having a full-time day job, uh, I have since learned that I have a tendency to push myself a bit too hard (laughs) (laughs) and to find a balance between doing a day job and uh, pursuing creative ideas, there has to be some intention for me at least to to actually find a balance and not just go overboard and burn myself out and mm-hmm. so that that vicious cycle of it. <laughs> <laughs> so I have both realized that I I really love blogging, I really love this these topics, and I want to explore more of them. And I I have to. If I'm going to do that, I have to find good balance doing it. And I can't really quit my day job and just pursue it. I'm not sure I want to do that either. Mm. Uh, So I am thinking about uh, transitioning a little bit and starting my own business, but on a small scale to begin with, Mm -hmm. maybe one day a week or something like that. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of where I am right now. I have been putting off starting a business a little bit both because well it's freaking scary (laughs) (laughs) and uh, also because we are just about to move and we didn't want to spook the bank uh, (laughs) (laughs) so yeah I've been waiting a bit for uh, for the move to happen and I'm also working on the third draft of my novel which will probably be done sometime this summer Uh, so that is somewhat nearing an end Mm. that's what I was going to ask was whether what had happened to the novel after your year of fear (laughs) yeah I started blogging instead (laughs) (laughs) well the novel has gone through many different phases and I have learned a lot about writing since I began so it has basically been three different novels uh, that I have attempted to write Mm. but I call it the third draft it could be three versions of the same core idea with 
very different turnout. But yeah, I am nearing the end of the third draft that I think is more structured the way a novel is supposed to be structured mm. uh, for it to to actually be a novel and not just words. <laughs> <laughs> words on lots of words on lots of pages. <laughs> yes, yes. yes. So, yeah, I hope that it's a project that is somewhat coming to a conclusion. The idea is I will finish this this draft and then I will let it rest for a couple of weeks and go through it and see if I have to make any major changes. And if not, it will go to test readers and Mm. then fixes and then to publishers hopefully mm, yeah and then and then the next the real work begins yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. obviously the work doesn't end <laughs> yeah. so in terms of then thinking about a business that's going to come out of all of this so what are you thinking of doing and also why are you think you're doing because you talked about how you don't think you want to leave your day job and you also want to avoid burnout and the blog was already getting you to that point so why do you want to have this thing on the side as well yeah that's a good question well the thing is while I like my day job it might not be my life's purpose (laughs) when I began blogging I was more well I was kind of entry-level administrator job and now I have a job that is more fulfilling uh, Mm -hmm. than it was back then. Uh, So my uh, initial idea might have been that I wanted to to just pursue the creative business full time. Now I'm not entirely sure what I want to do. Mm -hmm. I am interested in like communications uh, in general. So one idea has been to to try to do some something half time uh, in a more traditional setting and do business half time and uh, my own business half time or just do my business and see if I can collaborate with other businesses uh, or small businesses and it feels like it's at this point, it's not super important for me to to decide uh, yeah. which way I want to go. I'm totally fine with just exploring if I can go down uh, to working four days a week and pursue this one day a week and see how much I like it. If I love it and want to do it full time, great. And if I feel like it's it's a, a good hobby or part-time work thing, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I, I, I think that's absolutely, you're in a really great position. You've kind of got the best of both worlds where you're not like, I hate my job, I have to leave immediately. <laughs> and also you've got you've got a buffer there where you don't have to expect too much from the business too quickly you can allow it to grow quite organically and retain a lot of the joy that's in there for for longer so I think it's absolutely you're in a really great position with that and yeah I think I think a lot of people online feel bad for not wanting to leave their day job it does make things easier (laughs) yeah 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 of course. Yeah. And if you have a, a job that can be somewhat flexible and allow you to work four days a week or something, mm. then that could be an excellent way to, to try to transition a little bit and try it out. Mm. So what are you thinking of doing? <laughs> well, well, that's the question, isn't it? <laughs> well, so when I first began learning about, uh, you know, online business and the creative business world, 
it was a time when when everyone was talking you have to have a niche 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 yeah. uh, niche <laughs> americans say niche yeah uh, <laughs> swedish swedish say niche yeah so do we <laughs> every time i hear niche i'm like what is that word <laughs> yeah that's weird <laughs> yeah. so i kind of got in into my mind that for you to have the digital products, you kind of have to have a more how-to uh, styled business. And mm-hmm. if you're going to do more mindset things, then you go the coaching route. So <laughs> I'm not sure that's true, mm-hmm. but that's kind of what I've gotten into my head. And I don't know if coaching is uh, something I want to do or if I'd be good at it. I don't think I would want to do it 100% full-time. Like that's the only thing I do, coaching. Because I, I, I really like the process of taking an idea and exploring it and fleshing it out and thinking about how people would come into it and learn. And yeah, that kind of building a product workflow. I think I would like that. Mm. I really like like building a website and those kinds of, of things. So I'm kind of in between, do I want to try out coaching or mentoring or whatever, that kind of one-on-one work, or do I want to pursue uh, making digital products, courses, workshops, Mm. maybe. Yeah, and so I think that the thing with one-to-one versus one-to-many versus any kind of business model variation is there's a couple of things to take into account. One is like, what's the work that is going to make you feel good and make you look forward to getting up or, or spending your one day a week doing this or what is going to make you dread it. But also to kind of take a step back and thinking about A, your why and the, the impact you want to have and all that kind of thing and B, your audience. And so who you want to be helping and therefore how they are going to be best helped generally. So I know you've, have you done a little bit of work on that kind of thing? Yeah, yeah, I have. The kind of core of what I want to my work to be is that there are a lot of resources that goes into how to do something, like um, how to write a novel. You start with an idea, uh, you, yeah. And like more concrete uh Here's how you do photography. And those resources are great. But I'm interested in not just doing the work uh, so the work is good, but doing the work the ways that fulfill you and the way that is right for you. Mm -hmm. So when I think about my own like perspective it's it has kind of three parts so there's a slow living aspect to it there is aspect of doing things the brave way uh, doing things in spite of if you're afraid of it uh, and doing things in your own way so that's kind of my perspective on making creative ideas happen and so that's what you want to help people with is get them to a point where not just make their ideas happen so the idea is good but make it happens in a way that feels good to them yeah so it's so kind of process stuff as well and mindset and all all of that good stuff so the person that you want to help are they kind of right at the beginning of a creative journey or are they a few years in and they've maybe got in a rut that they need helping out of well my initial response would be they're in the beginning because I'm not an expert and I can't tell the people <laughs> who have been in it a couple of years what they should do but yeah, that's the 
the gut response. I'm not sure if that's the right response or if the if that's the imposter syndrome response. Well, yeah, that's interesting that you say I'm not an expert. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like what what do you consider to be expert? What boxes do you have to tick before you can call yourself that? I would probably need a degree or have done something for 10 years. <laughs> Mm. and if I would look to someone else as an expert I wouldn't put them to the same demands as I do myself but I think that's also some kind of trying to hide from from other people's judgment Mm. and so do you I mean this is a difficult question but do you believe in the value that you can give people oh that's a good question probably probably yes and no Mm mm-hmm I have always had this urge that I want to have like a whole theory or method and like I want my work to be like I have this full-fledged method of how to make creative ideas happen and I have also realized that that okay I might have that at some point but it's kind of hard <laughs> to mm. have a full method but mm-hmm. that's kind of the urge that I that I want to reach because I think I don't trust that I have the the whole view and know like enough about all the different moving parts if I dive into subject then I can trust my own uh, knowledge and value in in a subject but I yeah I'm not sure I I trust it mm. on the on the big scale mm. so to speak yeah I, I get what you mean and it's very like I'm not the best that I possibly can be. I'm not the v- most valuable I'm ever going to be, but I also could help someone right now, which is actually pretty healthy. It's that kind of expert thing. It always kind of rings an alarm bell for me because I think that in some places, expertise is overrated. I mean, obviously not, you know, if you're going in for an operation, you want that surgeon to, to be an expert, But it's more, especially in work like you and I do, it's much more about the way that you see the world and the the way that you can kind of fix problems. It's more about your mind and the way your mind works than all the knowledge that you've ever accumulated. Mm. That's a very good point. And and you know this is the 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 interesting about your brain and psyche that I can totally see that in other people, but mm-hmm. I struggle to see it in my own work. Because you when it's your own work, it comes pretty easily, and we always devalue the stuff that we're good at because it comes easily to us, and we think, oh, everyone can do this because I can. But actually, no, <laughs> that's not that's not the truth. So we're always going to be harder on each other, and it's on on ourselves. Sorry, and yeah, it's kind of making sure there's a little bit of realism in there, and kind of catching yourself and testing whether you saying, oh, I'm not expert enough. Is that actually the truth, or <laughs> is it something I'm telling myself to? to hold myself back but I was gonna drag it back to business models seeing as I went off on a massive tangent then so (laughs) if we're thinking about that it's helping people who are more at the beginning of their creative process because that's where you're going to feel most confident and comfortable at the moment and helping them with their process how are you best going to be able to deliver that to that person well here's something I've been thinking well, I've been back and forth on whether coaching would be something I'd 
I would enjoy. And if I, I, I definitely feel like if I would do coaching the way we us- usually talk about coaching, uh, the more, you know, mindset type of coaching, not a mentory version, yeah. uh, then I would want to get some kind of coach training but that's kind of expensive so I don't want to do that before the for understanding whether I would actually enjoy it or not mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> uh, so I would have to try it in some shape or form yes yeah, so this is what's interesting me is that you've been toing and froing about whether to do coaching slash mentoring or not but it's all very theoretical isn't it yep yep yeah <laughs> It is. So where, what are your kind, what's your pros and cons list with it almost? Well, I guess the pros and cons list is, well, the first pro is, and this is not going to sound good, but it's the thing I'm supposed to do. Mm -hmm. (laughs) If I look at other uh, bloggers that are writing about similar subjects, and that's when I have watched kind of the what other bloggers, other Instagrammers uh, are doing, then the people who are writing about the topics I write about tend to be coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so that's 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 the the entry point, so to speak. And then I I think I could be good at it. I have always been sort of interested in psychology in normal situations, uh, like to like talk one on one with people. So I think. Yeah, and I, I I've had a tendency to be like the helper or the 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 friend who listens those kinds of roles, mm-hmm. so could potentially be good at it. That's also a pro. Then I'm somewhat of a people pleaser, and I'm not sure if that's good in a coach. Yeah, that's something that I'm I'm afraid that I wouldn't be able to like call people out when they are. Mm. <laughs> uh, I would just you know wrap it up in a nice little bow and say that they're fine (laughs) so that's that's a worry of mine and then something I I know that I wouldn't like because that's the thing I dislike most about having a regular office day job it's having my time tied up so I don't have my own flexibility and can plan my days Mm. obviously I'd have my own own business so I could decide my my business hours but being tied up in calls all days, I'm not sure I would like that. So that's why I think I wouldn't want to do it 100%, but do it a few days a week or having a couple of clients on the same time, that would be more mm-hmm. reasonable in my mind. Uh, yeah, I, and the the working hours thing and, and having appointments that you have to keep is like that's a thing and so it's one of those things and it's interesting that you're at that point now where I'm at 18 months in where I'm like (laughs) oh wait I actually hate having to keep appointments (laughs) I want more I need that freedom but also I do know another important value for me is variety and that I know that if I'm not having conversations with people regularly that's gonna I mean, it's a huge source of inspiration for me for everything that I do, and it's going to impact on it negatively in that way. So it's a very fine balance with the freedom versus the variety of work and and having that as an inspiration source. That's very interesting. That's a very good point because I think I'm I'm pretty similar because I like I like variety too, and 
I definitely value the freedom and something I have been thinking I am, I think I am an introvert, but I am a quite extroverted introvert. Mm -hmm. So I know that if I would be spending my whole work week at home, not talking to other people, that wouldn't be good for me. So that has been something I've been thinking a bit about. Mm, big time. Like if I, I wouldn't I'd literally talk to my dog like in a week, <laughs> that would be the only, only person I'd speak to in a week if I didn't do calls. So but yeah, there, there are those benefits as well. I, have you ever done any kind of like Myers-Briggs test or StrengthsFinder test or anything like that? I went down Myers-Briggs rabbit hole a couple of years ago. Mm. <laughs> uh, back then I uh, tested as an ENFJ. Uh, ah, okay. Nowadays, I test as an INFJ. Same as uh, me. Yes, I have <laughs> noticed. I've heard that. <laughs> so I'm somewhere, somewhere in the in the the line between mm. extrovert and introvert. But I think I'm an introvert. Yeah. Well, I've just asked because that can be a really useful tool when you're trying to debate how is the best way for me to deliver this work, to to hone in on those strengths that are identified in your personality. There's also a test, which I think they do in the States quite a lot, called StrengthsFinder, and I think it's highfive.com. And it will give you like a short list of your top five strengths, and that might be a really useful way to kind of think, well, does this sound like a coach or does this sound like the opposite of a coach? <laughs> I, will, I will look that one up. But I think it's it's really difficult to talk about this so theoretically when I think that a good thing to do will be just to try it informally, whether it's with a stranger, whether you offer something for free or for half price to Instagram followers or whether it's with a friend, if that feels comfortable, whichever is going to feel the most comfortable just to kind of try try it out and you know if you get off your first Skype call and you're like oh my god never again then there's your answer and you've not spent three months putting together coaching packages for something that you actually end up hating yeah <laughs> yeah I have also kind of landed on I should probably just try it but still well yeah. I guess I am somewhat theoretical in how I I like to be certain before I do it, <laughs> uh, which isn't the best strategy. Well, and I, I totally get that, but sometimes you can't be certain until you do it. And it's getting to a point where you can feel as certain as you possibly can. So rather than just being like, oh, hey, let's just have a coaching session to think about what you want to be offering and what's kind of think about a structure and a bit of a process. So that's what I did. I'd kind of come up with a couple of packages ideas before I tested them because I wanted to make sure I was going to go into that call with a sort of framework that I knew this is the person's problem. This is what the, where I want them to be at the end. What's the bit in the middle? How am I going to do that? So that's the thing to think about whether you're going for one-to-one -one or whether you're thinking about a digital product is to think where are they now? Where do I want them to be at the end of this process? Well, that process is an hour or six months. And how do I build the steps in between? And so if you're going to do some test calls, that can be really useful as something to help you feel more confident. But also you might do that process and be like, this has to be one-to-one -one, or this has to be a course. Actually, it needs much more introspection than coaching can give for example. So that's my advice. <laughs> mm, yeah, that's good advice. And I think I think 
part of it is also that I I feel really scared of the coaching process because there's so much pressure on the le- delivering right in that moment and you can't like a day after realize oh damn I should have give, given her that advice yeah it's it's really defining who you are in that relationship and so for me that shifted quite a lot because when I started out, I felt very similar to you, which was like, I have to have all the answers and I have to be able to tell people this, this, this and this. But if we're talking more classically about coaching, that's not the role. And and I always find it useful to refer to sports coaching, because I think when we're business coaches, we feel almost like we need to do it for people. But a sports coach isn't going out there and playing the game for them. <laughs> They're giving them the tools to do it for themselves and to improve their own performance. So to really define for yourself who you are in that relationship and how you are going to help people. So for me now, it's much more about helping people to see what's already inside them. And yes, I'm not going to make them sit there for an hour trying to work out how to do something when I could literally just say, do this <laughs> or I can kind of posit an idea but it's much more about helping people to help themselves and up their performance in a way that feels good for them and that comes out of them and that's also a better way for people to learn you learn so much better when you work things out for yourself so that's how I define my role now is about giving people the tools to to go off and do it by themselves and so yeah that's something for you to think about as well as really defining who that is because yes if you think you've got to go onto a call and have all the answers well that's never going to happen no (laughs) and that's okay you're not you're not there to have all the answers you're there to have all the questions really and a lot of coaches would say you're there to ask the better questions yeah you're yeah I know you're right (laughs) (laughs) What about the coach-mentor spectrum mm. that I know you have talked about before? I'm thinking because it traditional classic coaching more along the lines of helping people see what's already in them and those kinds of things. And mm-hmm. mentor is more focused on like experience. How would you kind of define the difference between yeah, those? Yeah, I, I mean... This is going to be my definition, so somebody will may well write in with a different one. But it's kind of how you've defined it really is about mentoring, being very proactive and here's a whole load of stuff to do, go off and do it, and kind of listening to some problems. Whereas coaching is a lot closer almost to therapy where on a lot of coachy coaches for want of a better term will never tell you what to do they'll never do that they'll ask the questions and let you figure it out for yourself which I think actually works better for less practical topics because yes in terms of like marketing and stuff like that's gonna get real old when people like I literally just don't know how to set up an email list that doesn't really help but I think you can kind of ebb and flow through the spectrum a little bit as well so with certain clients or even with certain calls sometimes you'll need to be more mentor sometimes you'll need to be more coach and it's only practice that gets you in to knowing who you need to be when and when you need to ask a question when you need to actually just 
say this is how you do it. I felt a lot more comfortable starting out being in the mentor role because I hadn't developed that muscle of asking the questions. But over time, it just starts to come out as you become more in tune with listening to nonverbal cues and, well, and verbal cues of how people are feeling about something and knowing when a question needs to come in. Yeah, and uh, instinctively, the mentor role feels more safe to me mm-hmm. too, uh, because, well, I haven't had any coach training. Yeah. So then there's the aspect that I have gotten into my mind that since I am talking less about like the craft of writing or the craft of photography or whatever, and more about the process, that that puts me more in the in the position of coach, coach. But then again, maybe that's something for me to define. I think it is. It is what you decide, how you decide to frame it and like, what is process, you know? <laughs> like, that can be that can be at one end of the spectrum or it can be at another. I think with you, it's putting less labels on it and it's taking away spectrums, taking away sitting in the coach box or the mentor box and actually... How am I, with the skill set I've got right now and the experience I've got right now, going to help this person I want to help? And then what's created out of that is is the pro- your process, your own unique process. And then you can kind of retrofit it. But it's likely that the place that what you're at now with your skill set and your experience, what you're going to come out with is something which is more mentory than coachy because that's naturally what you're going to produce. And I think if you're too busy thinking about, oh, have I gone too coachy with this? It's going to it's gonna skew the product and you've got to make the product, whether that is a coaching package or a digital product, that you've got to make that what it needs to be before labelling it. Yeah, that's so true. That's probably the much better way of going about it instead of going back and forth. Mm. Am I coach or mentor? Am I coach or mentor? (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I think it goes back to what you said about how, and it was the first thing you said about how coaching is the thing you're supposed to do because that's what everybody does. (laughs) So by going in with, I'm going to make the very best solution to get somebody the very best result, that again takes out that supposed because it might be that the very best solution is actually a hybrid of a course and coaching and maybe it's a course and then they have a call with you or or you know whatever it is but if you're trying too much to be like I have to fit this box like this is what I'm supposed to do I have to be a coach now it can drain away your difference and your uniqueness because you're trying to fit that box rather than trying to do the thing that's different and that's going to make you stand out yeah Thank you for that. That was. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna chew on this. That was a very good, very good perspective on it that I haven't haven't found myself. But yeah, it, there's so many. There are pros and cons to both, which is why both exist. And it is a it is a funny balance between doing what's best for you and doing what's best for the person you want to help. And I think particularly. You don't have to have all the answers right here at the beginning. You can start with one, see how it is. And if it doesn't work, you can stop doing it. And it, and it doesn't matter too much because, you know, you don't have 100 million Instagram followers there waiting to book your coaching packages. You can kind of very quietly transition them or or whatever it is. 
and it's something that can build it doesn't this isn't one-to-one or one-to-many isn't the decision for the rest of your life (laughs) yeah (laughs) I know (laughs) yeah yeah very true very true and since I'm not planning on doing taking a leap and quitting my job to pursue this it's even less of a risk so (laughs) And, and I think it'd be good for you to embrace the joy in it and to see it not as an opportunity to to do it all wrong or to as something that's going to kind of hold you back or define the next year of your life it's it's an opportunity to play and help a few people along the way and find out more about yourself it's like another year of fear <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, I've actually been on, uh, along those lines. Hmm, I might need another few years. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I think we've got a lot of takeaways for you to do <laughs> in terms of thinking about this and, well, maybe not thinking about it so much and actually more of the actual, I'm going to plan this out and I'm going to think about it in a more proactive way rather than conceptually, whether I'm a coach or a teacher. But where else... Are you kind of worrying about how far you've got or whether you need to develop something else before you launch or what are your thoughts around above and beyond the business model? Well, the kind of next step that I'm thinking about is, well, it kind of depends. Uh, If I decide to launch a coaching program, then I, apart from just developing the program or the ideas that I want, how I want it to look, I think I could kind of do it uh, pretty soon if I'm going the product route I feel like my audience is quite small Mm. if I well if I'm going to try to make it something that could sustain me one day a week but the next more closer step that I have been thinking about is creating a free product to support email signups yeah I think that's a good idea I think like regardless of which direction you go with the business model, starting to re-engage and also grow your audience is always going to be the first port of call. Because, I mean, you don't have a teeny tiny audience. You've got like 1,500 people on Instagram. You've got your mailing list. Having something to give away with your mailing list is always helps to give it a bit of impetus, um, gives you something to talk about that's, interesting and nice and fun and it allows you to kind of set the tone for what your work's going to be going forward I think that you're right though the the bigger the pool you have to pull from with products the better but either way going in and kind of prioritizing time to re-engage the people who are already there and find new people is going to be the best use of your time like much better than thinking about whether what the coaching package is going to be or am I a coach or whatever like just actually if you've got an hour to worry about something just go and do some Instagram commenting or something just to kind of boost that up so that people feel ready to receive something when it's there yeah I am somewhat better at thinking than doing Uh. (laughs) I am too I am too which is why getting a kind of routine with the doing stuff I find really useful. So whether it's, you know, having a bath on a Wednesday evening where you go through and catch up with all your comments or putting time in your planner or your diary where you do emails or you do this or that or whatever, 
that's what I do to kind of stop stop just planning indefinitely. <laughs> yes. And here's where the aspect of day job and time yeah. comes in. Uh, because here here's where I th- feel like, well, I have to plan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I know that on weekday evenings, my brain isn't very productive. It's tired of the work. And lately I have been writing blog posts and such one day, uh, one evening a week for yeah, my workday week. And then I do creative work on the weekends. And since I have been working on a novel, that has been taking mm-hmm. up quite a lot of the weekend time. Mm-hmm. So as I'm hopefully doing a little bit less of novel writing come summer, I hope that I can do more on the business side of mm. things. But let's say I... I would try to go down uh, to four day working four days a week at my day job. Then the the question comes in: How do I spend that time best and most strategic? Uh, so if I if I decide to uh, to try out coaching, uh, if I fill that whole day with coaching, then I won't have much mm-hmm. time left for for creating products or mailing lists or anything so that kind of balance is something I am thinking about how to handle yeah and it's very tricky what the best use of that time will be will change depending on the needs of your business and Jen Carrington is somebody who talks about having seasons in your business a lot and that will happen you'll go through periods of time where you need to be developing so you're doing your free product you're pushing the mailing list you're going on podcast interviews you're doing all that stuff and then there'll be periods of time where actually you need to sit back and just reconnect with the people who are already there like maybe shift your blog content slightly if you've had a shift in your work and there'll also be periods of time where you need to be working with people because you they're asking for it and you need to get the money in so allow for there to be flex with that time and for the business to take what it needs, but also be conscious of not letting other people's needs rule the business. So it's something that I think is a useful question to ask is what can I do that will move the business forward this week? Because that's an interesting question because it's not like, what do I need to do? Because what you need to do is often like client work or, you know, things like that, which feel like a need, but what's going to move the business forwards? That's quite often, it might be actually the best thing that's going to move me forward this week is to launch my new free product to my mailing list. Or what's going to move it forward is to just catch up with all my comments because I feel really out of control with it and if I feel more in control then I'm going to be better on form so that's something to do when you're planning that time something I've spoken about before actually is if you can have three things that you're going to do that week that will move your business forward that can be really helpful because you know it might be something that you can do on a weekday evening and oh tickets done like everything else is fine but also to just kind of keep that question in mind so that you're not getting too bogged down in the day-to-day, the firefighting and the needs of others. Yeah, that's very true. And, and it, that's such a good um, exercise, the three mm. three things a week. And it makes it at the level that you are more likely to be able to handle. Yeah, it makes it very realistic, gives you a lot of perspective and really helps you to train your priorities because when you're like okay I've got I've got what are the three key things that I have to do to make this 
week of success or the three things that I can do to move my business forward it, you soon work out what isn't really that important <laughs> <laughs> so I think we could talk about this for quite a long time but I will have to let you go at some point so before we kind of wrap up I have to ask you the grow a soul question which is how do you grow a soul in your work and life well I try to do things at my own pace and in my own way and obviously I'm gonna try to do it also in the coach mentor spectrum <laughs> <laughs> but to me to grow with soul in my work and life I have to not just do the work but do the work in a way that is good for me uh, and for me that means cutting myself some slack, but also pushing myself to do things that I find scary and to check in with myself along the way to make sure I'm, I keep going in the direction that, I, well, that I'm excited about and that is fulfilling to me. So where can people find you online, connect with you, chat to you, read your blog, find out where, when these services and or products go on sale? <laughs> <laughs> well, my website, and I'm trying to learn people to spell my, and what <laughs> my name is, since it's a weird Swedish name. So my website is elinlove.com. So that's E-L-I-N l-o-o-w dot com and my Instagram is almost the same it's elin dot love so e-l-i-n dot l-o-o-w perfect thank you so much Yellen. thank you it's been an awesome conversation in my opinion all the links we mentioned will be on my website at simpleandseason.com forward slash podcast and you can find me and Yellen on Instagram I'm at simple and season and she's at e-l-i-n dot l-o-o-w as always if you think you have a friend who would really benefit from listening to this conversation please do send them the link to the episode and share where you're listening and tag me as well because i love to see you and until next time i hope you grow a song